Today on the show, I talked to singer-songwriter Jennifer Knapp about creative struggles, leaving behind a huge career in Christian music, and coming back from that, and much, much more, all on episode 33 of Who Writes This Stuff? Hello and welcome to Who Writes This Stuff. My name is Nick Flora and I'm coming to you, as is usually the case, from my house in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for listening. I'm uh, I'm really excited about this week's episode. Jennifer Knapp is on the show, who, if you're familiar with her, most likely you know her through her earlier work in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, Jennifer was one of Christian music's probably hottest artists, uh, touring with bands like DC Talk and Third Day, and especially back then. Uh, there was probably nobody hotter in Christian music. And uh, uh, in 2003, she left her Christian music career behind and uh, kind of went on a, on a hiatus, moved to Australia, was kind of off the grid almost completely. Uh, she returned a few years ago uh, with a new record, and nobody had seen her in a long time. And, and she had officially come out as a lesbian, uh, which, as you can imagine, sparked a lot of controversy in the Christian music subculture and the Christian subculture in general. But uh, Jen has owned it. She's stayed civil and, and kind uh, when maybe some people in the industry and uh, the subculture hadn't, in some, including her fans. Uh, and uh, all in all, after sitting down with her uh, and talking to her on this show, uh, I, I'm sincerely impressed and actually inspired by her. I, I, I couldn't be more of a fan. Uh, she's absolutely wonderful. Loved it. Had a great time. Uh, if you have any creative bone in your body or interest in creative things or uh, in general, uh, I think you'll really get a lot out of today's show. But even if you don't, I think there's something to say. If you're a human being, <laughs> I think you'll get something out of this show. So, But before we get into that, uh, I'm playing a couple shows coming up in October that I would like to tell you about. So sit back and let me do that. October 5th, I'm playing St. Louis, Missouri. That's this coming. If you're listening to this today, it comes out this coming Friday. I'm playing a house show uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, with Stacy Lance, my good friend, friend of the show. Uh, October 6th, the Saturday, this coming Saturday, uh, Omaha, Nebraska, playing the Beth- Bethany Fall Festival, uh, also with Stacy Lance. Um, October 19th, I'm playing in my hometown of Arkadelphia, Arkansas. It's a real place, and I'm really playing a show there. Uh, at Dino's Main Street Cafe, October 29th. No, October 19th, sorry. Uh, I'm excited and terrified about that show because, you know, it's your hometown. Profit in the hometown, whole thing. I am looking forward to it. Uh, so if uh, you want more details about any of those shows, St. Louis, Omaha, or Arkansas, you can go to uh, my Facebook, which is Nick Flora Music, and all the details are there. Um, also, if you want to contact this show, you can do so by emailing whowritesthisstuffpodcast at gmail.com. Um, uh, also, leave iTunes reviews. I know I say it a lot, but go, if you go to the iTunes podcast page of Who Writes This Stuff and leave a quick review of the show, uh, it really does help us out as far as iTunes knowing that we're here, or at the very least lets other people who listen to similar podcasts know that we exist, which is good. And also, I'll give you a shout out on this show if you leave feedback uh, like I'm doing right now for Daniel Johnson and Timothy Quigg, both great guys who left feedback on the iTunes page. Thank you guys so much. Uh, if, if you want to go a little bit further to help out the podcast 
if you enjoy it uh, and you want to donate actual money to it, that would be fantastic. Uh, this is a free podcast and will remain a free podcast, but it does take money to do free things, especially um, if you want to make them good. So, and I'm trying to make this good. So, uh, if you want to help us uh, by donating, it helps uh, you know update equipment as well as buy more bandwidth so we can keep putting shows out. So, we're building the road as we're driving along. Uh, so please go and donate five dollars, ten dollars. It all absolutely one hundred percent helps and goes to the podcast directly. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter for updates at Who Writes Pod, as well as the Facebook page, you can go over there. Cool stuff happening. Join in the conversation. Um, but seriously, if you have a question or a comment or something interesting that sparked in your brain, or something we mentioned on a, this show or previous shows, send us an email. Uh, write us on Twitter, or Facebook. Love to hear that stuff, and uh, and I'll read it on the show. Now that all that business is done, here is my chat with the delightful Jennifer Knapp. Jennifer Jennifer Knapp, thank you for coming. You need me to... No. I'm casual. Yeah, it'll pick it up. We're totally... Yeah, yeah. We're totally... we're We're just having a conversation. There's nothing... Uh, it is nice to meet you. Dick. It is nice. Thank you for coming to my house to talk. Uh, we just sat here for like half an hour talking before we realized we should turn the whole thing on. <laughs> I know. Uh, thank you for doing this. Uh, it's pretty pretty informal. We're just going to talk. I'm going to talk about you. So if you don't like yourself, just get uncomfortable. Oh, I like myself plenty. Okay, good, good. <laughs> uh, how's it been going? Yeah, pretty good actually. But you're in the studio. What are you? What are you doing? A Christmas record here? Yeah, I'm. It's just this fun little project I've been um, doing with uh, my friend Margaret Becker. So uh-huh. yeah, it, uh, you know, chick with guitar, Christian music aficionados would be very familiar with Margaret. And, oh yeah, she's amazing. Oh my gosh, and I'm a huge fan. And, oh really? Oh, I have been. I've, it's but I'm also like we're friends as well. Yeah. And this time around, this is my second time living in Nashville and. In the last couple of years, I've gotten to know Margaret a lot better, and I don't know, we've just we've just talked about doing something together, not really knowing what to do, but we just really enjoy hanging out and playing together, so we're like, hey man, let's do a Christmas record, so we're it's just... the time of year to do it. It's hot, it's, it's yeah. a miserable time of year, and yeah. uh, uh, not, you know, it's, I don't know, it's been really, it's been a lot of fun just making some classic arrangements and spending some time um, with Margaret, and... I tell you what, it's like the coolest moment when we st- when I started to track her vocals, and she walks into the other room, you know, steps up to the mic, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh my gosh!" I mean, she just opens yeah, yeah, her yeah, mouth, yeah. and it's just classic Margaret Becker. It's beautiful. It's big. It's amazing voice, and mm. I'm like sitting here going, "Oh my gosh, I'm tracking Margaret yeah. Becker." So um, it's it's been a bit it's been really fun. I mean, I, I I don't I'm convinced that I wouldn't have been able to have the career that I I had in Christian music if it wasn't for women like Margaret. Oh, yeah. I mean, there weren't a lot of chicks with guitars ha- happening, and you can literally count them on one hand. I think it was Margaret, Ashley Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Amy Grant had uh, a fair bit of the chick with guitar thing, but she didn't really push the rock vibe as no. much. I mean, a lot of women wanted to be like her. Right. Um, but you know what? She definitely if, opened some doors, though. For oh, sure. absolutely. Yeah. You know, but you know when it came. By the time I got around, you know, what did you do with a, a really bold, somewhat you know, I didn't come up with my 
like taped tracks. I didn't wear mm -hmm. a skirt. You know, I wore big boots and yeah. yelled really loud and sawed <laughs> through my acoustic guitar. I mean, what yeah. do you do with that? And I think there, you know, I owe a great deal to artists like Margaret. And so it's it's a fun kind of full circle thing to be able to do a project with somebody yeah. who's been inspiring and then to do something where we inspire each other. Yeah, that's a really cool place to be. I feel like Nashville is very, it's very like Nashville. Uh, it's a good place for that to happen because a lot of us, you know, are living here trying to make a living and then, <clears throat> you know, it's it, through an email or two you can end up in a room with with these people who inspired you and then uh, I, I had that experience with do you know Andrew Osanga he used to be in the normals oh yeah, yeah, yeah he was in Cayman's Call for a while when Derek left but uh, he he's one of those guys for me and like when I moved here we became friends and then he's produced two of my records now and like <clears throat> and that it's just an amazing thing to sit you know and hear him like get are you like he's like oh I got some ideas when you played me those songs the other night I'm like wait you know like this guy that years ago inspired me like I get to share my stuff and, yeah. and he's getting ideas from that you know like it's just crazy it's crazy snake eating its tail thing that I love well I, th I think one of the things that's really because I've had 10 I've almost had 10 years between like the first time I was in mm -hmm. Nashville I went out I left the country yeah and I came back and so many things have changed Nashville had changed technology had changed mm -hmm. um the economy had drastically changed and so many things have changed for for us musicians as well I mean you know, one, I mentioned the economy. Two, we have, you can record now with your laptop if that's what you really want to do. Where We're doing you it right to. now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, and yeah. it's easy and it sounds great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, 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 the little Christmas project I'm doing right now, it's basically duct taped together with little bits of software and little preamps from here, there, and yon and microphones. And it's nothing great or fancy, but you can get moving and you can create, create art. And I think one of the things that's happening because we're having to be a little bit more resourceful now, we're not in the, the heavy money days that artists were 10, 15 years ago, but we also have more access to be able to, to do things that we want to do. We can get into the studio is simply by walking into the other room and turning your computer on. Mm -hmm. You can buy really affordable equipment that sounds really good and get on with your work. Email yeah. a few guys and even if you're like out of state you can send an mp3 to somebody else and they can lay some bass tracks down for you and send mm -hmm. it back to you. Mm -hmm. So it's you know, it's it's just so fast and it's quick and it's easy and I don't know and it, it's just brilliant. I mean I would have never imagined doing that 10 years ago and moreover I'm not sure I would have had the courage to do it because it's so easy now. Like what's stopping you know, when Margaret and I were talking about doing this record we are like what's stopping us from doing it? And we're just yeah. like, oh, getting up tomorrow morning and saying, <laughs> pressing play. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know, that was all. There's not a lot of uh, hoops to jump through anymore, necessarily. It's just it's a matter of opening your calendars and saying, like, when do you want to meet? Yeah, I mean, the bu the budget constraints, it's a joke. I mean, mm -hmm. not, there is no budget for this record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and we'll piece some things together. And obviously, I'm going to want to have it mixed and things like that. But they're not they're not things that are preventing me from, from starting a project. And mm -hmm. that's a really fun place to be. And it's scary. I mean, I've never done it. It's, I feel like, like an old woman in a young kid's game. You know, when I yeah. see these kids that just put out record after record, or Derek Webb, you just mentioned, I mean, yeah. he's a great example of that. He's always creating and he's always coming up with some fantastic ideas. And I think part of that's a result of obviously the technology that he has access to and the affordability yeah. of being able to set up some of those studios at home without, you know, 
the, mm-hmm. like 10 years ago where you'd have to get a quarter million dollar budget to even thinking about doing a halfway decent record. Yeah. It's, a, you know, not even nearly that much anymore. He, when he, he was in here a few months ago and he was talking about how I asked him like when his next record was, when he was working on it or whatever. And he was like, oh, I'm always working. Like, yeah, Because he is. I can. He's like, I can always, I have a, I have a space. I have the software. I have all the equipment. So I'm constantly like, it, it, it flows into the next thing like there's never like he doesn't a stop gap. yeah yeah and that's um, and i think he's a like he's my you know derek's my age he's an old man uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but i think he's a good example of some of these artists that actually i find incredibly intimidating and inspiring all at the same time i mean i've i've had to i've had to come to grips with the fact that as an artist i i tend to write in fits and starts you know as, as a songwriter a lot of people come up and go what are you working on now what are you doing like like i'm supposed to be constantly on right on target like, what is the latest song you've written? Oh, it's probably been six months since I've written a song. But it's, there are different things that I do. And I've had to learn to get comfortable with that, especially with having more exposure to artists like Derek, who are mm-hmm. constantly, basically perpetually... It is intimidating. Creating, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Where I, I have these moments where I just, I have to haul up in my cave and have my moment. It's dark, nobody's down there. It's a very, very quiet, self-nurturing and intimidating mm-hmm. kind of place that I literally have to work in this modern modern time to kind of shut all of those things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a challenge to be able to kind of know that about myself as an artist and create that kind of space. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, it's, it's just a funny thing to me because I think as, as artists we can be somewhat fragile, right? And we get intimidated by watching what other people do. But I think it's it's been... A real test of kind of growing up over the, for me in the last 10 or 15 years of kind of being able to have some time to step aside to recognize what kind of artist I am, what kind of personality I bring to it, and not to pressure myself, um, you know, to see a guy like Derek or to see, you know, to work intimately with an artist like Margaret Becker and going, oh my gosh, well, she's really amazing at some other things, but here's where some, you know, here's another place where I shine and I can kind of push that. And when you can collaborate with somebody else, they, can kind of you know complement each other some really yeah. amazing and positive ways. So rather than as an artist, I think sometimes we knock ourselves for the things that we aren't and push ourselves and inspire ourselves to work hard for the things that we're good at as a real tr- kind of treat to be able to to jump into. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned sometimes going six months in between writing a song and so because I, I go through that too and I know I know so many people like Derek or like people who just constantly are like you know, you should have a new song every week, man. And like, I, I just, I never worked that way. And I, I always felt like I was maybe less than because I, I didn't work that way. But I, but six weeks out from going into the studio, I would knock out 15 songs and, that I was really proud of, you know, and I had a record. And I, but I your so brain's people, there. I mean, your brain yeah. chemistry's there oh, yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. in the zone. And it's, it's you know, if, if you do work in cycles like that and you recognize, the, I think the, the best one of the the biggest the encouragements that I give people is, like, if they ask. Right. <laughs> Sometimes Let's nobody's say I'm asking. asking. Let's but, say I'm asking. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <Dick. laughs> Please tell me. Narcissist. This <laughs> um, is. is being able to, if you know that that's a zone that's good for you, being able to know the things that help you get into that zone. And so maybe you're not. I mean, I'm, I'm a right brain, left brain kind of gal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just spent 
you know, I was talking about coding HTML the other day. That's yeah. so, I did code HTML for one day. Forget it. I'm like three weeks away from writing a song. It ruins my brain. Like It just drains you. It, it drains the creative <laughs> side of me. So I know, but I know that about myself. So mm-hmm. I have to go and listen to some music. I may need to go sit on the side of a grassy hill somewhere, right. have a nice glass of scotch. You know, do some drawing, listen, you know, watch some art, you know, look at some paintings, watch a movie. Yeah, get inspired. Get inspired yeah. and yeah. do the creative things and do that. And before you know it, you know, sometimes then then the next result is, oh, my gosh, I haven't done housework for three weeks because I've been down in the studio. <laughs> I've been writing. You know, I haven't shaved my legs in a month. <laughs> I need to what, eat. <laughs> I need to eat. What's going on? You yeah. know, it's it becomes like this other cycle where everybody's yeah. going, I need you to be on time. I need you to show up for the tour. I need you to think about mm-hmm. this budget. And you're like, no, no, man, I can't. I'm like in the zone. So th- there's something about that balance, I think, in terms of as an artist and if you're working to that, to be able to kind of understand those things about yourself and mm-hmm. work work diligently to be able to make those transitions when you need to make them. Yeah. Do you... Do you you were talking about it, but do you weigh that, those sides well? Or, like, can you turn off, like, the creative side if you need to go on a tour or, like, need to look at, like, a budget or something like that? Can How, how quickly can you flip that, that switch? Uh, you know, it depends. Some If, if I'm w- really well-practiced, I can flip the switch pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I haven't had... Like, I'm doing... Because I'm doing some creative stuff the last few, two or three, two or three weeks songwriting's a little bit easier but if i go like straight from an excel sheet to having to do a songwriting session like right now it's pretty difficult for me mm. but there are times when i know that that's pretty quick so I, you know it's it's a bit like what my brain tells me to do it's a muscle that you kind of learn to switch on and switch off and yeah if you're in the habit of keeping it quick like for me the challenge is going oh i've been really quick let me see if i keep that endurance up and then like now i'm like ah, i'm pretty good right now but not so great so mm. You know, the only way that I just kind of relax a little bit and not pressure that is to just call a spade a spade. This is where I'm at, and to not feel like I'm obligated in any sense to do other than anything other than just work to get to the place that I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this, a poet that talked about writer's block, and because uh, a lot of writers talk, you know, we we I think we mis misinterpret our creativity with not being able to flip that switch, like there's something wrong with you because you're not riding today. When you haven't re- realized that, let's say like a marathon runner, so you could run a marathon last year, but you haven't ran in six months. I mean, there's a certain expectation that even though you remember how to do it and you you, you know that you can run a marathon, sometimes your body's just not ready for it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is, it was like a poet, he was one of the poet laureates for um, uh, the United States, and I can't remember his name, I apologize. But he was saying, he basically was discrediting writer's block. He's like, there's, there's really no such thing. We, get, we intimidate ourselves way too much by the creative process by instantly giving it some kind of name that makes it shut down. It's not going to rear its head. You kind of have to relax all of that and say, yeah. listen, this is just a moment where I now need to nurture this next thing to be able to allow it and give it permission to happen. And I, I think that's been one of the most amazing things for me. I mean, and that but was that a hard That takes thought. away its power. I mean... Yeah, it does. It, it does take away its intimidation because that's yeah. what it wants to do. It, it make you know that part of you that insecurity wants to be this fear factor that makes you not do anything. And, mm-hmm. You know that's not really what you're after. You don't want to not write because you're afraid. You'd rather I'd rather you crash and burn and write something ridiculous that you're never going to share with anybody mm-hmm. because that helps you on to the Gets next the thing. It's amazing. It's definitely Absolutely. a lily pad. Yeah. Do you have you read the War of Art? 
Are you familiar with that book? Yeah, I'm Steam familiar Pressfield. with the book, but I've not read it, no. Yeah, it basically talks about that, where it gives the... Whatever, it stops you from waking up and being creative. Uh, at the very beginning, like, the guy gives it a name, The Resistance. <clears throat> and it's really cool, like, and it seems a little silly at first, but he keeps referring to it as The Resistance wants you to fail, it wants you to stop. It does all... Here are all of its tricks, and... Uh, but pretty quickly when you're into it, you're like, absolutely. And for some reason, calling it something, like, it enables you to... Uh, put it in some kind of confines and just kind of toss it aside. But like if it's just, oh, it's just everywhere and I just don't know, I'm in a funk or whatever. It's like it's turning almost... the light on when you're a kid and afraid to see what's in the closet. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, that's, absolutely. Switch. Yeah, yeah, and then you see what it is and then you, you know, kind of close the closet and move on with your day. But the, but it was interesting at first seeing this thing, which is basically what, what you're just talking about, but like name, giving it a name which seems silly but that pretty quickly it was, it was already doing its trick. Like I felt like Oh, that's exactly what I'm dealing with. That's what I deal with all the time. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm just in a funk, or I guess I'm just not, you know, oh, I don't have to write anything today because it's clearly not coming to me. Like, no, mm-hmm. work it out, dude. Work, you know. It, it work does it take, out. yeah. It does. It, it's um, it, it, I think it goes to the muscle. It goes to recognition, and those are all things. Those are all part of like to me the fascinating parts of creativity that allow you more you don't realize it but it does allow you more freedom it does allow you to be able to create the moments that you want to create Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day what do you want to do as an artist as a creative person you want to create that means something to you so when you see what those impediments are for you it's you know when I see what those impediments are for me I shouldn't speak for everyone but when I see those it's it, it really does kind of make that a little bit easier it doesn't mean that I get over them that day or that minute or that hour that mm-hmm. I want to. But when I recognize that there, each time I go, okay, that's a wall I've got to get over. All right, I didn't get over it today, but t- tomorrow I'm going to do it. Right. And the next day I'm going to do it. And I just make that my goal. It, rather than looking at the goal like, I need to create a record that's fully produced, well-written, blah, oh, blah, 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 blah. You're setting yourself up to fail at it's that point. It's so far away. It is, yeah. It, you know, I just need today to get over that wall. <laughs> to suspend the things that you know you have to get over those things and go no where's there's no there's no place for the fear in that. there's no place for the intimidation you think, you think like now as an adult when you try to do stuff like that even stuff we've done previously and succeeded at you think that all our past failures are somewhere like circulating in our brains yeah. I, what is that because i try to you know like take on new things now and it's so it takes me forever to talk myself into it yeah, like why? There's so many reasons for you to not to do it. Right. I don't have time. Every I don't have reason to do that. Yeah, literally, especially as an adult, you can tell yourself because the responsibilities are clearly there, uh, because that's what adulthood is. You can clearly you can talk yourself out of everything. But yeah, like I have no place weird. for playing trumpet right now. But the fact of the matter is, the last couple weeks I've been playing. I get up every morning. I play twenty minutes. I do slur exercises and articulation yeah. exercises. It's so you know. It's so funny. I'm like, what am I gonna do with this? Probably nothing. But you know what? 
it's a part of my being. It's a part of my life. And yeah. when when I picked up that horn, and I started started playing, and I started getting the tone back, and like the muscle memory hadn't left my hands. It was a really stunning experience. And even even if I don't play that for anybody else, there's something about that process that's insanely important for you as an, an individual, whether you know you're a runner mm-hmm. or you're into graphic design or you know like to sketch maybe you're terrible at all of it in terms of a commercial and I'm never going to make any money as a trumpet player that's that those days are over but that's not what I need to focus on I need to focus on it might inspire me to do something that's right that's true you know even if it it, like even if what I learned in picking up walking up to that horn and playing it means that I walk across the street tomorrow and see somebody that says that they need help and I have the courage to go, I'm going to stand up and go, hey, man, what can I help you with? Mm-hmm. I just Can I help you? Can I can I be of any kind of service to you? And that, it may seem like a far stretch, but for me, those no, are no. very important kinds of connections that, that I think when we get in touch with who we are, what we accomplish, what, what we're willing to do to inspire our, our, ourselves, knowing that something great might be around the corner, even if it's subtle and it's not for recognition from somebody else. I think are huge aspects, um, and I think you know. To me, that's why I'm a fan of, of creativity, in 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 that sense. Going, I don't I don't care if anyone ever listens to you in what you do. You have to be able to do it. You have to be creative. You have to be able to unlock that because it, pardon me, because it means so much for you in so many other areas of your life that gives you courage and strength and a willingness to do something that you never thought you'd be able to do. Yeah, and a lot of it's just. You know, it, it sounds maybe a little bit uh, hyperbolic, but a lot being creative for people, for us people who are creative, like it, it's a lot of a reason to live. It's a lot of like a part of who we are. <clears throat> and I've seen people, I've had, I've had people in my life who extremely creative people who got told by certain family members or society or whatever. And I've been a part of that too, like where, where I felt the pressure to like, this is silly. Why are you still doing this silly right. thing? Put it away. It's time to be an adult now. And they did, and they just got sad and you know, fat and, you know, uh, but mostly sad. I'm fat. It goes I'm not sad it. anymore, but <laughs> it, goes, it, goes, it goes to like, uh, you know, if you, if you squash it or, or, or you maybe lessen its importance, um, then it, you start maybe turning into something that you're, that you aren't. And, or I don't know, it can, it can shift you. Definitely. There've been times where like I was pursuing music full time, not making any money, losing money doing it. Uh, that, that ebbs and flows as an independent artist. Sure. Uh, as, no, but, uh, <laughs> And then, like, being like, this is dumb. I'm going out tomorrow to get a job. I don't care where it is. And I get a job for a year, and I become so, like, nobody wants to be around me because I'm just, I become super cynical. It's really hard. Yeah, I mean, how do you do that? I mean, I spent five years refusing to play. Five or eight years, I think. Did you not play for that? No, I didn't. Really? I had a a couple times, a couple of occasions where I had friends pretty much just twist my arm and make me play, and... It was it was such a painful experience for me because I, I had to shut that whole mechanism down. It was, mm. it was it was so it was such a painful journey for me because of the the Christian music industry and walking away from that. I I really was having this kind of crisis of faith. I didn't know if if I was doing music because of of God. I didn't know if I believed in God anymore, and therefore I couldn't do music. It was all just kind of tied up in this big jumble. Sure, and I didn't my way of dealing with it was just to kind of put it all to a side and you know I did that with kind of my faith if my faith came back well then great whatever 
and I like I just didn't know. I and I it sounds terrible and crass and but I and I was the same way with music. I I literally I sold everything that I possibly could. I sold my trumpet, I sold all my guitars, I sold tons of gear and the I m- maybe had one or two guitars that, you know, my partner at the time said you will regret this for as long as you live if That's you smart. sell this instrument. Yeah. And I'm like, "No, I can't." And they they just wouldn't let me. Good and, on them. That's good. And uh, <laughs> you know, I'm so glad that my friends kind of stood by me and said, "You you will play again." And but the funny thing was that I spent several years and it took me a long time to realize that I spent several years refusing to play. Like my labor every day was to not think about playing. And wow. it was, and it, I didn't realize, I honest to goodness did not realize at the time, but it was at a point where I kind of started, I cracked the door a little bit. I was, you know, working a job that was fine, mm-hmm. but it was just hit me in the back of my head. What are you doing? Like you, you're not even playing and you're not, you're not playing at home. You're not listening to music. You're not doing any of these things that you've done your whole life. I mean, since I was a kid, like a fourth grader with a plastic recorder, I'd always done something, mm-hmm. um, and I'd kind of shut those things down. And when that when that question kind of planted itself in my head, going, "What are you doing? You've always done music, whether or not anyone's listened. You've always done it for yourself. So why aren't you doing that?" And I didn't have an answer. And I started to play a little bit. I pulled out my guitar. I hadn't played in eight years. My hands were miserable, but. It's intimidating. Like it was kind of that same process I just described with my trumpet. You know, I picked up my guitar, going, "I don't, I don't know if I'm going to remember. I don't know if when I pick this up, it's not going to be as good. I'm not going to be as good of a player as I was because I have. I'm going to be rusty. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sing terrible. I'm not going to know how to write. All of these negativities. It was so. It was so much that I had to just one by one just block everything out and just attack one at a time. Okay, today I'm going to play guitar. Today I'm going to play an old song. I'm just going to play three minutes. I'm going to play an old song from start to finish, and then I'll put it away and I'll walk away. It was so incremental, but it was such a life-altering experience to go, oh my gosh, these are just things that are a part of you. So whether or not I was ever going to record another record at that point was just too intimidating. I couldn't do it. But it... By being able to just go lock into the things that were important to my heart, into my process, into the things that made me, you know, look at the universe as a bigger whole, like, it just starts to flower open, and I think those those kinds of things have to be, I, I don't know any other way around it, it's so intensely personal, it's a private act, it's, it has nothing to do about playing your art or your creativity and sharing it with other people. I mean, it, it is the eventual end, I think at some point you do in that process have to share your journey and your story and that's a whole other podcast but I mean you have to get to that point where you're you're figuring out a way to, to express yourself and do that and getting over all of those little fears have nothing to do with the rest of the world there's a place in the darkness that I used to cling to it presses harsh hope against time in the absence of martyrs there's a presence of Me. So turn on the 
I don't know where the where the peak was for you as far as like, you know, the late '90s, early 2000s when like <clears throat> you were cranking out those records and and they were doing really well and like you were so entrenched in like the music industry and especially in more specifically the Christian music industry. Mm-hmm. That's got to be. It, it's such a tricky line that I, I to to ride between the art and the commerce and they will always fight each other in the back of your mind maybe not even in the back of your mind that, well, I have to write this I'm, when I'm playing I'm basically making money like you know, like the every time every strum that was part of it no like I, playing, I had like my monetary money, value money. per yeah. second I mean I'd, yeah. I'd had like songs per minute like how many dollars I was making per minute I mean, yeah it yeah because even even when I'm doing it, I'm like okay do I want to waste time on this song I'm writing right now is it going to make it on a record because I need to move on if it's not good enough and I'm like judging something off of a, a, you know the first twenty seconds yeah. of a song. I mean, it's, I, don't, I wonder. It is the eventual end. I mean, I I I, I give a, a little bit of a break in the terms of modernity. You know, like the way that we kind of assault ourselves with time and quantify you know what we spend our time on because we do. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about your rent, you think about your mortgage, you think about you know how many miles is it worth me driving to go get this milk when the fuel's, you know, $4 a gallon. It's true. It makes you kind of renegotiate those things. And, but I mean, there is that, that part of that process that, that I think was, was a big, a huge factor in walking away, um, from having a career. I mean, I had a career and there, I was in the middle of it and I had a guaranteed job for, you know, I had, I think I had a, three more records I think with uh, Goji with Records mm-hmm. and I just look at those guys and I'm like I can't I can't even face it anymore like I just I didn't I didn't know that I wanted the job and I I remember just kind of feeling this sense of of loss and intimidation and not knowing why I was doing any of it because the I was getting you know I was getting my mortgage paid I was I was grateful to have a job I mean you know Mm-hmm. It, it's stupid for me to walk away but I I just it's not enough when you're tired and I I wasn't writing I'd find myself writing something about you know my faith which was really important to me then I would write something about that and I would write something honest about my my journey or where I was at and then even in terms of Christian music industry I go well I don't want to share that because you know, all people will start talking about where I'm at or I'm doubting mm. in some kind of faith. So that doesn't make for a very good record. That's going to get me in trouble. I need to rewrite that. And that's what I would do. Uh. I would, you know, and I just, I, and I, I don't think I ever went to that to any extent that I'm ashamed of. I'm actually, I, I feel like I'm, there are a couple of moments where I, I remember with great bitterness that I, I've changed a lyric or two, but they're so subtle. But they were so such devastating experiences for me that I just couldn't fancy doing that anymore. And I would write a song about other relationships in my life. I felt like I was constantly pressured to put them in the theological vein to make them kind of fit the mold of what everybody wanted. And that became you know, a very difficult kind of thing to swallow. That would drive me crazy. But it wasn't just that either. I mean, you go to the creative part of it too. Like at the end of the day, most artists are artists. I mean, you know, Christian music is a genre. It's the only genre in the world that's solely based on its lyrical content. I mean, you know, it's, it's all about the words that that. come out of your mouth and what order and whether or not they're theologically sound. Wow. You know, do that. It doesn't matter. Country, rap, hip hop, folk, it doesn't matter. You don't get the words and the theology right. right, and you're not in the gate. And there's a lot of pressure in that avenue. And so so you get that done. 
I, I just, I don't know. It was this point where I didn't know how I was gonna, going to continue to accomplish all of these things at the same time to the point where I just devalued my... I couldn't even fancy whether or not I was even an artist in that at all. And I, I don't think I recognized at the time the conflict that was in me that was, you know, I was intimidated. You know, I've got three more records. I don't know if I actually have the ability to continue to express my faith in this avenue. I don't know as an artist, I actually have that kind of talent to be able to live up to what the expectations of for, for me. I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I can. All of these things. And I think I just somewhat like imploded in that. And I, I got to tell you, I had no value for myself as an artist at all. I'm like, really? no one will miss me. I will walk off the face of the earth and it will not matter. Like, it, someone will fill my place. It's, it's fine. Like, wow. it will not matter. And, I won't. I won't miss music. I won't miss any of this. I. It's fun, and that's kind of what I had to do. And it's the, one of the most painful yet amazingly liberating. It's kind of like the irony. It was a terribly scary decision to do at the time, and I. I would do it. I wish right now I had the courage to do it again and some other elements of my life to right. just be that willing to wipe the slate clean and see what happens tomorrow when you wake up and deconstruct the whole thing. It's mm -hmm. scary as hell. journey coming back but what do you do how do you approach you know this last record that you put out like was it was it freeing or you know or in great or terrifying or all of it or increment like it was increment it was like every step of the way I really it was so incremental it wasn't funny like I was living in Sydney at the time I went home I made three like I made myself a pact when I first started I'm kind of toying with the idea I told myself I was toying with the idea of mm -hmm. kind of writing again and so I said, okay, I'm going to take three months off at home, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make that my job. So every day I got up, I made the habit. You know, I wrote. If I didn't write, I listened. If I didn't listen, I drew. If, you know, mm. or I went out and photographed. I did but something. But the muscle was, was getting worked out. Wearing all that cool. thing. So then before I knew it, in that three months, I had like this mini kind of EP. And then so I took a big deep breath, and I sent it to some of my friends over here. And then the next phone call I get is, you need to come to Nashville, we need to demo these. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> is this any good? Like, really? It's okay? And so that's what I did. And so I flew back to the States. Mm -hmm. I came back to Nashville for a couple of weeks. Um, Paul Moak, yeah, um, yeah. who ended up producing the record. We, I only went in. I'm like, I, we're only going to do three songs. I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for this, blah, blah, blah. You know, went into the studio with Paul, and we were like, holy crap. These songs are 
like really good. Like I, I was excited. Like yeah. I, I didn't care what was around the corner. I, I wanted to make a record. Like oh my gosh, where's that microphone? Let's you know strike up those electric guitars, warm up that amp. Let's rock this yeah, puppy yeah, out. Yeah. You know, and then but I didn't think about. You know, and pretty soon I knew that me coming back to Nashville, me leaving Christian music, me coming back, I was coming back with, you know, my partner. It was going to mm-hmm. be clear that I was a lesbian. Uh-huh. Like, I couldn't even think about those things the no, next day. Yeah. So it's, I think, you know, going back to how great that creative process was to be able to have that and to be able to go, so today we're going to track this song and I'm just going to pour my heart into it. And today, you know, I'm going to do this. And then, you know, you mix the record and then you talk about the PR for the record. Just one little step at a time, I Mm -hmm. think was so important. And and I think at the same time, knowing walking out of that studio and Paul, I can't say enough about Paul Moak. I mean, Paul just made that process so amazing and beautiful and let me, you know, it wasn't intimidating to me. You know, like, it was so strange. It wasn't even like I'd ever missed being out of the studio. It was like I, I hadn't, I, I just remembered it. It was just beautiful process, and he made it so easy. And yeah. just reminded me through that whole process that, you know, this is what I do. And even if nobody buys this record, I don't care. You know, I'm, it's nice if they do. Right. Um, I'd like to do this some more, but I'll probably still do that now. And I think and that's a fun part of technology, too, is, you know, I can do any of this. I'm doing mm-hmm. a you know, kind of full circle of the little project that I'm doing right now. I'm like, I sing pretty well, you know, and it's nobody has to buy it, nobody has to like it. I enjoy the process and it's great and I'm gonna keep doing it as long as I can. So That's so good. I I uh that's so interesting and like inspiring, honestly. Like I I'm sitting here like genuinely inspired. Completely what forgot. Are you doing, man? I forgot we were recording. Uh, <clears throat> no, I I love oh, gosh, what was it? It sounds say? easy, yeah. No, I'm no. Like, I'm so full of crap because it's so intimidating <laughs> It is, it is. It made it sound so easy. <laughs> but but the love of it and like the the fact that it is a fire burning in you is has to be more than the fear. And I feel like every step we take even if it creatively, even if it's like this thing could suck, but my my drive for it, my love for it, and my passion to do this is just this much greater than the idea that it might suck. And that's why things get made. And like every, literally everything I've ever put out, I the day before it comes out, I'm like, before anybody else hears it but me and the producer, I'm like, gosh, I don't think anybody's gonna like this, you know. And then it always ends up being, you know, the you know more successful or better or better received than the last thing I did. Everybody's like, oh, what a great step, you, you know. And I'm like, oh. It's a little bit better than the last time, though. No, which is all I want. That's all, that, honestly, that's all I want is just to get a little bit, you know. You said something there that, that's really interesting to me. Like, it's a fine line between, like, paying your rent and not paying your rent, between being able to say, to be honest with yourself, going, okay, can I do better in this? And to, to not be... To not let yourself be intimidated by going, oh, no, I suck. That's a terrible thing to do to yourself. But to to be able to honestly evaluate yourself and say, listen, I, I'm, I actually want to be able to do this. You know, I want to record this guitar part, and I want to record it really well. I, I think I can do more, and I want to do more. And then you giving that out to people that you know and trust that kind of can help you evaluate that well and to be, even to take credit, like when you hear something that inspires you to go, man, I nailed that. Mm-hmm. And not in a narcissistic way, but in a way that you do deserve that. You do need to inspire yourself. You do need to kind of, I don't want to say G yourself up, but be honest. It's okay if you're happy with what you do. But it, you also need to kind of balance that out with going, well, you if you are then creating music for other people, then 
you need to be willing to go. You you know, I go out and put a CD in a car and say, hey, listen to this. And, you know, if my friends just kind of sit there and go, oh, yeah, that's all right. I'm disappointed. Yeah. Not I on know. an ego level. I've done that too. Yeah. I'm not, not on an ego level though, because you know what you want them to do mm-hmm. and they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so what then do I need to do to get them to do that? And that becomes my challenge. And I don't know if you can figure out a way to make that an external process when you get to those moments of critique, that that's one of the balance that we have. I think sometimes that we challenge, need to challenge ourselves to work at with an artist mm-hmm. as artists. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's it's one that I'm I'm a lot better I I think a lot a lot of people when they're around me and I'm working kind of misjudge me in that because I'll go in and I'll do a vocal track or something it's one of my favorite things to do on the planet and I'll go nah that's not very good I'll kind of I need to go do that better we need to resell that or I'm a little bit disappointed in that and you know my friends will be going oh my god that's ma- that's amazing I'm like no I'm serious yeah. I know I can do that better I want to do it better and I'm going to do it better and sure enough you go in there and you can kind of do it and then at other times you need to just be able to say you know what today nick you gave your all and maybe tomorrow you'll pick it up and it'll be better but today you need to give yourself a break it's that kind of weird thing like do you do you not pay your mortgage this month and just you know totally go for your art and your craft you kind of balance that out with a good sense of proportion i think that's a real challenge all the chisels i have told carving idols of stone that have crumbled like sand beneath the waves I've recklessly built all my dreams in the sand Just to watch them all wash away Through another day, another trial, another chance to reconcile To one who sees past all I see and reaching out my weary hand, I pray that you'd understand you're the only one who's faithful to me. Uh, I want to go back a little bit because I, I tweeted out earlier today if anybody had any questions for me to ask oh, yeah? you or whatever. And most of them were along the same lines of like, of uh, kind of how you got started and earlier and in, in, uh, the beginning of your, your career or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so I wanted to at least talk a little bit about your origin story if you were a superhero. Uh, but you you come from Kansas, is that right? Yeah. Because that's a, that's the first record, techni- oh, the, yes. technically the first record. Uh, you find that that's your most beloved record. It is, yeah. From like fan from fans. Oh, absolutely. Or whatever. It's it's the legacy record that people keep oh, going think? back to. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I, How do you, you feel know. about that? Because a lot of first records, you can be like, oh, I was so young and green, and I know so much more now. And <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. It's it's easy for me to criticize the record. It's been harder for me. In the last couple of years, to accept why it's been so important for other people, because it's it's actually been really emotionally supportive record for a lot of folks and a lot of people. And that's it's really hard for me to get my head around. Um, and I, I mean, when I when I started to kind of do music again in what I call career two point <laughs> that I kind of. I just kind of committed in my mind that I just wasn't going to do any of my back catalog stuff. And it, there were a lot of different reasons being intimidated, but uh, the big reason was just being intimidated spiritually kind of by this old stuff and mm-hmm. all the ego that comes with not wanting to be categorized by, you know, your past stuff sure. and wanting to move on. But, you know, I'd go out and play a show and people would be screaming for a song or two from, and almost always the Kansas record. And, 
And people would come up after the show and, and describe why they listened to a particular song or what it meant for them. And for them was always the story, something about their lives or a particular journey. It was that would always be long. It wasn't just, hey, I really like that song. No, it's got yeah. a beat and a dance to it. It's deeply personal to them. And I had to, like, that was really hard for me for about six or eight months of getting back. I just didn't, it, it was just really uncomfortable for me to listen to. Like, it was just intimidating. And... And then I started to remember like some of the music that was the soundtrack of my life. Like the Tracy Chapman records that I go through or uh, 10,000 Maniacs or R.E.M. or just mm-hmm. some of, you know, a couple of Indigo Girls records. The records that you just put your headphones on and cry your eyes out to and helps you not jump off a bridge or maybe helps you jump off the bridge, <laughs> whichever right. one you kind of look at. And those are... You know, and I've you know I've even had the opportunity to meet a few of those artists, you know, in in situations that I just I found myself unable to speak and to them and just to say anything meaningful because yeah, it, what do you, yeah. it's it's like in a way it saves your life. I mean, great music saves your life mm-hmm. at a certain point. Absolutely, it's I don't know. So it's it's beyond my realm of comprehension that anyone could do that. But then I kind of remembered going back and writing that music, and I. A lot of the memory that I have of writing Kansas was sitting on the floor in my bedroom at college, Berber carpet, green walls, because I thought it'd be really cool to have green walls in my bedroom, like dark evergreen walls. Um, it was like a little black box. So it was terrible. Mean. It was really, it was really <laughs> small. And there was a mirror, and I just remember just kind of hashing out my faith and not knowing what to think about all these crazy Christians yet. Mm-hmm. I was having this spiritual experience that was incredibly real and intense, and I didn't know what to make about any of it. I was embarrassed by it. I was inspired by it. All of these things that were all very real and had no idea how to play guitar. I had no idea how to write a song. I had no idea that any of the stuff that I was doing then in that moment would ever be heard by anyone else. And there's something, like, I'll never be able to do that again. I'll never be able to, I don't know that I'll ever, I, I, mean, I can't imagine that. Like, writing something now without thinking that somebody's ever... Like, I'm always obsessed that somebody's yeah. going to hear what I'm doing. Somebody's watching. Somebody... The result will always be that it's made external. And that process for me was so internal. And I don't know, there's something about that. And so when I go back to that, I go, you know what? You were innocent in that. Whatever ways that I want to criticize the art, whatever ways that I want to criticize my faith, my experience, or Christian music, or there's something amazing about... The times where you just you just are yourself and and you don't apologize. You know you don't apologize for your bad perm in the eighties. You were there and it meant something to you and you felt gorgeous and beautiful. You know. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't be ashamed of that and who you are. And it it's hard. It's hard to look back when you were twenty pounds heavier or, or you know in my case twenty pounds lighter or you know. You can judge all those things by the service, but it it takes a lot of courage, I think, to look to the heart of when and where you were at and to say, hey, you know what? That was a pretty honest event. And that's something that my fans have taught me by telling me story after story about Kansas when I wanted to write it off. I never wanted to hear it again. And it's not like I go back and listen to my records, but Mm -hmm. I have no right to devalue that. I have no right to go in there, whatever my criticism is of it, to, to take that away from somebody else. Yeah. And I think that was, I mean, to me, I, I'd never imagined in a million years that a listener would teach me something about my own art. To me, that's why Kansas kind of stands out. And 
you know, even every once in a while, I might be embarrassed about it. It's the, the truth of the matter is that it's just meant so much and so much personally to people that have shared stories with me that I, I have no right. It's not my story anymore. It's done one of the most amazing things that you can ever pray that art can do, which is grow out and be its own self and its own voice, and then it's disconnected from you. It's mm -hmm. like the hand of God reached down and, you know, made a record and allowed it to, to do something that has nothing to do with you. So, mm -hmm. you know. I, if I ever get to do that again, I'll be a very, very fortunate artist. I sat down quite innocently and played because it just it meant something to me because nobody was watching and mm -hmm. then you know my friends would would say please come and play you know and I remember playing at this coffee house up in Kansas City a lot of there were a lot of cool artists like a Waterdeep it's where Don and Lori Chaffer um were of Waterdeep were they they're basically like the house gurus I mean that was their church mm. that that if I'm correct though I'm sure that at some point they'll correct me if I'm wrong but they played there every weekend Sixpence None the Richer was coming up and touring through there on just about you know twice two three times a year um, Dime Store Profits Dakota Motor Company I think came through through there a lot of really cool inspiring kind of coffee house underground Christian bands and somehow or other I landed up on a stage because people just kept asking me to come and play yeah. around and I was dreadful oh my gosh just absolutely dreadful like the songs were there but I couldn't play I was intimidated and shaky but I don't know people just kept asking me and before I know I'm literally in, inside of two years I was on the road you know I was selling record like I was I was selling my independent record because I had a friend of mine who literally said hey you should record a record mm -hmm. we recorded in his house on an eight track or something and then that got picked up and it's now I think Goatee Records released it on the Kansas remastered oh, really? series the Wishing Well record okay so it, it was just wow. it just evolved like I never meant to and it was always other always other people outside of me really encouraging me to do it um what did you, you think you'd be doing? Like, going back to that, those times, what, what did you think that you would end up doing with your life? Well, at the time, I, I, went, to, I went to college as a, a music education major. And so I was trumpet, oh, yeah, you, you know, mentioned five it. or six hours yeah. a day and marching bands and all that kind of stuff. And then I got into the classroom and I, you know, was appalled at my teaching skills. So I switched. But I ended up switching to psychology um, because of my touring schedule. I was actually supporting myself through school by doing the independent music thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I was missing Mondays and Fridays because I was traveling all throughout the Midwest. And so you, you know, were like booking your own shows. And yeah, stuff. I was doing like I was. You know, it's like my last year of 
to a school. I mean, I was the 48 hour, like from Friday noon to Monday noon, I was traveling up and down I-29, Kansas, Nebraska, you know, heading east and west of Missouri or western Kansas as far as I can get and get back um, to school, hopefully for the bulk of the week. Um, It just kind of took off and I, Mm -hmm. I didn't mean it to, but it was paying my way through school. But I ended up being a psychology major, and I never, I knew I wasn't going to practice in that. So it's a bit, I mean, I love it. Like, the psychology part's probably been the most useful thing of my college education. I don't realize how much of that has been really helpful, in particular because of some of the issues that I deal with in terms of um, getting in the conversation I have in the faith-based area and LGBT issues. So Mm -hmm. um, that's been really helpful. So it's kind of like this weird thing that a lot of the things that I went to college for I actually still use. I'm... Very much. That's very rare. (laughs) And I'm very much, you know, kind of having to teeter this psychology and the only thing I'm missing now is my my divinity school time. So, but uh, yeah, so I I just, I don't know. I I saw myself somewhere in music and then having to switch and I enjoyed psychology and sociology. I think now if I did it, I'd want to be in the academic world somewhere teetered between sociology, psychology, and uh, religion somewhere in there. So... It fascinates me, and I'm a total nerd. If you let me to my own devices, I'd be in school right now. That's really yeah. Besides, You're one of the people who could just go to school forever and like oh, I'd learn love about it. yeah. Be able to read and write, and to be able to really kind of use that part of my brain right now. It's it's been really kind of inspiring over the last couple of years because I've I've had to learn a lot. I've had to because of because of my sexual orientation, because of the the lightning rod that that sent through me being such a public figure in mm-hmm. Christian circles and such, I mean, people buy into me. People buy, you know, people bought my music because they believe that I represented something when that teetered for them because of my sexual orientation. It, it you know, it puts people into question there sometimes of, you know, where and how do we value people in their whole faith experience and what they can contribute when we maybe don't agree with them where they stand theologically or mm-hmm. uh, a, a whole bunch of other factors, you know how you know how does this person still contribute to my life how do I still respect them right. all these kinds of factors and um you know it's it's been a, a kind of a fun thing and I, I respect the process so much and I respect the church and I respect the difficulty that I've seen people have to go through but I also deeply respect I've, I've, and I've learned to actually deeply respect the true and honest experience I've had with my own faith and how much it's actually helped me in terms of value myself as a human being, even in the process of being able to talk publicly anywhere from about my art to my sexual orientation, even about my faith. And all of a sudden, those things just, like, went off like a big bomb because mm-hmm. the rest of the world decided that it needed to be um, a, a topic that we talked about, and yet I wasn't really prepared for that. So I really had to learn a lot. I had to read a lot about the trend of the emergent church. You know, I'm having to bone up on the emergent church and what's happening in terms of um, what's hap- like trending in, in religion inside of America, the way that religion's drastically changing its influence, I think, in the way that it's influencing Amer- American politics. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have never told, I would have never expected to do that, but um, I've definitely had to learn and grow up a lot, and I'm grateful to be able to have an opportunity to contribute. Yeah, it's an amazing process, and I think in trying to connect the dots of what's happening in my my sexual orientation and the the religious community that kind of spurs up around me is going well. What, what's the like? What do I have to contribute in here? And that's sometimes we become those kinds of 
people in in our lives or in a community so what is what is about me when the loudspeaker comes on about my life or my experience what is the soundtrack that I want to play and do I want to have people walk away from their experience with me as one where I've in, I'm trying to influence them and make them walk away voting in a particular way mm-hmm. or feeling a particular way or do what you know as an artist what I want for you to have an experience and come and listen to my music is to have that experience, to get in con- connection with who you are as a human being, to start thinking about what you want to contribute to life, humanity, you know, starting with yourself, starting with your family, and moving out into your community. And that's the same thing I've kind of found in this conversation with um, sexual orientation, gender identity, and faith communities. When we begin to talk about these things and begin to tell our story, whatever story it is, is you as an individual have, yeah. you sh- share that story as honestly as you possibly can. Hopefully, God willing, you're given an environment to do that honestly and with integrity. And then to be able to have those people then create a community around you and f- see how we're influencing others. It's, it's a really hard task to do, um, but it's really challenging. And I think for me, like I'm so grateful that both of those worlds, you know, I have access to both of those worlds. Because for me to balance them out, I, I think I would be you know, unbalanced if I didn't have kind of one shifting me and keeping me kind of level with the other. Right. I'd be way too nerdy and theological on one side, kind of disconnected from the heart and the passion that it takes to have this conversation. At the same time, I'd be, you know, on the music side, I'd be way too intimidated by all the conversations that I have to have because of what my faith has kind of drummed up or what my sexual orientation mm-hmm. drums up. I wouldn't want to play anymore. So to be able to kind of balance those things has been a really interesting kind of journey in the last couple of years. Well, it comes I from you. Any of it. The art comes from you, so I mean, it, it's it's gonna feed into every other aspect of who you are as a person. So it, it, everything kind of informs everything else, and so that's one of my favorite things about art, whether it be you know a you know an author or a filmmaker or, or a musician, songwriter, or anything. I enjoy hearing about the human experience, and everybody has their own unique human experience. I'm just interested in like well, how does this person approach it? And the things that make us the exact same. And then, then the little differences that maybe I can learn from. Yeah. You know, like, that's that's the best part. And I feel like so many people <clears throat> who love listening to music all the same ty- type of music, or all, they only go to the same few artists or whatever, it bums me out in a way, because I'm just like, but there's so much other stuff. There's that so much more. I want to I hear the stuff that's going to bend my brain a little bit and like may, maybe make me think of something outside of the box. Cause, and it comes from me being a kid and just always thinking that maybe I'm, I don't know what I'm talking about. And then now as an adult, it's just like, I just want to know what else is out there. I just want to know, like, maybe I'm not 100% on something because I don't have all the facts or, or I don't know everybody else's experience. And uh, so that that's one reason why I wanted to start this podcast because there's so many interesting people in this town and so many people doing stuff and I want to hear everybody's experience. Cause I'm just like, and if so you're lucky, most of us like to talk about ourselves. I know, I know. <laughs> always, every once in a while I talk about this. It's it's so funny whenever I get a musician in here who won't talk about themselves. I'm like, what's wrong with you? You know, like, I, I do get it because a lot of people, you know, they communicate through their art form and yeah. they, they can't articulate it maybe through, through just conversation. Uh, but it it does always surprise me, and I because I am that way too, and I'm surprised like you can't just my talk. I can move my mouth I can move my mouth with the best of them my 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 biggest challenge in life is to be able to get all of this stuff inside of my head and in, in this big old heart gushy heart of mine to try and channel that into music. It's yeah that the music for me is the shelter because I I prefer in the long run to not have to kind of say what I think. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's kind of the the crotch, but the the challenge of this being able to kind of find that space. And one of the reasons why I love music so much is because you can, 
you can put the things that don't have words into it and you can just kind of put that moment into it and you know how you do that I have no clue but some you know you you hang out long enough and every once in a while just by accident if by nothing else you kind of be you know can kind of capture that moment so it's definitely something worth aspiring for but you have to show up you know you have to be able to be willing to climb the wall every day so I love that you have to show up it's so true uh I mean, it's so cliche, but showing up is, you know, half the battle. Maybe it's knowing it's half the battle. What's the G.I. Joe thing? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm going all alcoholics and not the first step is admitting you, you have a problem. <laughs> I was going G.I. Joe, you were going AA. It's, there's some correlation there. I don't know what there. that says about either one of us. <laughs> I don't know either. Well, uh, Jennifer Knapp, this has been so much fun. You're the best. Thank you so much for, for doing the podcast. My pleasure, Nick. Thanks for letting me sit on your sofa. <laughs> Well, that's this week's show. If you guys would like to check out uh, Jennifer's music, you can go to jennifernapp.com or on Twitter. She's at Jennifer underscore Knapp, K-N-A-P-P. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it. There's some really great episodes coming in the pipeline as well that I'm really excited about, so stay tuned. Uh, but for now, for Who Writes This Stuff, I'm Nick Flora. Go do something creative. <laughs>